When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe Kennedy made a bold choice to stand for his faith. The Bremerton High School football coach prayed at the 50-yard line after games, and it cost him his job. Joe fought back all the way to the Supreme Court and won. Today, he's here to talk about it. Joe, thanks so much for coming on Takeaways. Thanks for having me, Kirk. It's awesome. This is so exciting for all of us, but, but especially for you. How do you feel in light of the Supreme Court's ruling? A lot of conflicted... Uh, thoughts and feelings on it. It's been so long. It's been seven years uh, going into the eighth football season. So it has been a long time and it seems weird that it's actually over. But the best part of it is knowing God stood by me the whole time. Everybody Mm -hmm. stood by me the whole time and that we actually won in the end. And I know that I did nothing wrong. So this took seven years to go through the court systems all the way up to the highest court in the land and that's a lot of work, but it paid off because it's paved the way for so much with regard to religious liberty. And it all started with you taking a knee and praying on the football field. But what, what motivated you to do that? It, it all started, I was watching Facing the Giants. Uh, I was a brand new baby Christian. And okay, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. It, this whole thing, st- wait. <laughs> <laughs> this Supreme Court case, case started with you watching the Kendrick Brothers movie Facing the Giants. Facing the Giants. I tell you, you don't get answers from God like that very often. But, man, he came down, smacked me in the gut. I was on my knees, bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, I'm in. I will give you the glory after every game, win or lose, right there on the battlefield. I kind of stole it from those guys. So that's how it all started, just from a simple movie. Wow. And, and then what, what motivated you, once you were coach, to say, you know what, I'm going to go take a knee on the 50-yard line. Yeah, well, you know, the, that's the field of battle. And, it, you know, really, it just started out. You see the professionals do it. Um, I, I probably got that idea from, you know, who knows, Tebow or anybody else. Uh, the professionals have always done that. And after the game, that's where you meet with the other team. Good game. You give the high fives. You talk to the other coaches. As soon as that's over, we, we usually go our separate ways. On the way back, I would just stop because I'm at midfield. I'd face a scoreboard and just thank God for what the guys did on the field, and I was peace out. I joined my team. So okay. it started out simple. Is it true that you weren't the only one that was out there at Bremerton High on the field praying, that you had members of the public and the media and others joining you? Yeah, it started out just myself, and it kind of evolved from there. I had some of the team that said, Coach, what are you doing out there? I said, well, I'm just thanking God for what you did. And they said, can we join you? Well, of course, it's free country you could do whatever you want to do so they started coming out then my team captains after about a year they started asking hey can we invite the other team hey this is this is your football team you're the captains if you want to invite somebody go ahead and they started inviting the other team then we had both teams out there and then we had guests that would come out uh, the mayor and some other people you know people from the crowd families and stuff like that and it, it kind of evolved over the years and you know this wasn't a short process this was eight years of in the making of that happening until the school district obviously went sideways so so this got presented like you were some rogue religious guy out there against everyone else's opinion wanting to pray 
And that's the opposite of the, the real deal. They were people wanting to pray with you. You were just like, hey, this is your, this is your school. This is your game. This is your team. If you guys want to pray, I'm, I'm not going to stop you. Right. And, and the crazy thing is, is I really work with the school, the superintendent and all these, the principal, the head coach, all these people are my friends. We've been working together for almost a decade. So none of us really wanted this to happen. So it was so awkward when they said, hey, just stop praying with the kids. I said, all right, your school, your rules, fine. You know, we'll take the, you guys could take that away from them. And they did. And I went back to just doing what I did originally, my original covenant of thanking God on the 50 after every game. I went back to that. And then the crazy thing happened, and it blew up, came a big thing overnight. We had the, almost the entire town of Bremerton. We had thousands of people that stormed onto the field, and everybody was out there praying. Imagine thousands, praying. Imagine thousands of people praying on a football field. Joe, I mean, this is, this is unbelievable to me. This wasn't thousands of people coming onto the football field to get rid of you. They were coming to join you, to partner together with you and send up all of their prayers yeah. to heaven, thanking God for keeping everybody safe and for the chance to play football. Yeah, to be a part of their life. <laughs> How did it happen that the school confronts you and says, you can't do this anymore? Well, it originally started, they got a compliment from one of the other school districts, saw what we were doing and said, what your football program is doing is awesome. And of course, every time you get a compliment, you want to have an investigation. They start an investigation. They want to make sure that Kennedy wasn't doing anything wrong. And that's, that's the way it all started was just a simple investigation. And then their lawyers got involved and they have their own agendas. So you reacted to the confrontation from the school telling you to stop by saying, okay, uh, well, I'm just going to go back to praying for myself. So did you tell the kids and the community, I don't want you to pray with me anymore? Well, I had to walk a fine line. They got a rule that you cannot encourage nor discourage. So I had to draw that fine line. I said, I would hope that you guys um, let me do this in my own way. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing. Everybody wanted to join me still. And I said, I just ask that you respect. Let me have my moment thanking God the way it originally did. So when they went to go do their fight song where the whole team sings a fight song for the school, I took that opportunity to take a knee. And it just worked out really nicely. And I thought we were good. But then they said, oh, we can still see you. And they wanted me to completely stop that. And that's the line I cannot cross. Yeah. So you could pray if you go hide inside a room somewhere or go crawl underneath a, a school desk where nobody can see you. But you just can't be out here where people can actually see you publicly right. praying. Right. That, that sounds, that's not America. No, it isn't. And that's why I chose a fight. Being a Marine, I, it, that boiled my blood as a Marine. I fought to defend the Constitution of the United States. And that actually means something to me. Every time I took the oath of enlistment to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that means something to me. It makes my hair on the back of my neck rise up every time I say that. Because that, I take that deep to heart. I, I've seen the way the rest of the world is. And America is so awesome. And if we are losing our, our God-given rights here in America, man, there's no hope. So I was like, hey, even though I'm not on active duty anymore, guess what? I can still fight for our Constitution and stand up for what's right. Man, I'm so proud of you. People who are watching this right now are, are, are so proud of you. Joe, did you have family members, well-meaning loved ones, who tried to Say, Joe, back off a little bit. You know, you could lose your job. This, this may really just look bad for, for the school, and there might be some backlash. 
Did they say that to you, and how did you react to them? Yeah, not only did uh, my team did that first, because they, they wanted me to stay. They wanted me to just do whatever it took to stay with the team. And, you know, the weakness in me, I really kind of wanted to. You know, I was weak in the flesh of that because I'm giving up the only thing that I have just enjoyed more than anything in my entire life. This is my calling to be a coach and to be with these young men. So not not just that, but... I had two kids, three kids, two at the high school and one at the middle school that were attending Bremerton. So there was a lot of pressure there with their peers. And on top of it, my wife, she was the human resource director for the school district. So, yeah, she didn't want me to get in a fight with the school district and the superintendent and be on the news and, you know, bring our family into all this mess. What was your motivation for taking a knee when there was so much pushing against it. One of the big reasons, like I said, was was being a Marine. You know, it, it's, it's wrong to tell an American they don't have the rights anymore. I fought for those rights, and I wanted to be able to express them. The First Amendment means the world to me. On top of that, the other thing is which really solidified it when my team told me, Coach, can't you just give in? What kind of coach would I have been if I gave in to him? Could you imagine that? I asked them to do everything. Get out there, and I know it's hard, but you're going to give me 48 minutes. Now all of a sudden, I'm going to quit because it's become uncomfortable for me? What kind of role model would I have been? I mean, what example does that say? Or if I would have taken the school's advice and run away and go hide who I am, what, is, what kind of message is that send? You should be embarrassed on who you are? I mean, we preach uh, diversity and inclusion, and here all of a sudden, I'm not going to be the, the sponsor and the role model for that? No, not on my watch. So, yeah, I, I had to do this. There was, there was no other way to, to go through this. Joe, if you could go back now, seven years into the past, would you do anything differently? And if so, what? If I could do anything differently, and, you know, the what-ifs are, are a terrible way to live— I, I, I would have been able to explain to the school a lot better of what was happening and why it was happening. I think we just got our wires crossed and they had some other thing in their, on their mind of, you know, you still see it on the news. Oh, Kennedy wanted to do this and make it a big production and all this. I would have loved to have just clarified, I don't want any of this. I want to just be able to walk out there after a game, shake hands with the team, shake hands with the other coaches, take a knee for 15 seconds and walk off. Talk about the most benign thing. You wouldn't even notice it. It looked like I was sitting there tying my shoe. When we come back, we're going to take a deeper look at how the courts ruled in this case, and we're also going to take a look at the implications of this landmark ruling in favor of religious freedom. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're talking with Coach Joe Kennedy, and he's joined now by his attorney, Jeremy Dice, from First Liberty Institute. We're talking about the Supreme Court's decision to back his right to pray, and we're also examining what it means for other Americans who want to exercise their religious freedoms. Guys, um, I know that this battle through the court system, from the local courts all the way up to the Supreme Court, was, uh, was no cakewalk. 
you had battles all along the way. Uh, what were some of the most significant challenges, Joe, as you were trying to get to the Supreme Court? I would say probably waiting was the hardest thing. You know, I always thought it would be like you see on you know, Matlock or Law and Order or something. You know, something happens, the lawyers get involved, they go to court. It's over the next day. I thought we would work through all of this in like three days, and mm -hmm. by the next game, everything. Never in a million years what did I expect it to take seven years to do this. Jeremy, from your point of view, what were the biggest hurdles to winning this case? Well, there's been a case that's been on the book since 1971 that has made it very difficult for people like Coach Kennedy to win his case. And we ultimately overturned that case. We'll talk about that later on. But one of the biggest hurdles we found was in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. That's the court that's right below the Supreme Court. It handles all the appeals on the western coast of the United States. And, and getting them to understand what Coach was trying to do. And remember, Coach had uh, done a lot of things in his life, but the thing that he was fired for was taking a knee for 15 to 30 seconds by himself at the 50-yard line. Uh, and it was that by himself part that we were trying to get people to understand because other co uh, kids had prayed with him and students and all that had come out. But when the, co when the school asked him to stop doing that, he stopped. And he was only fired because he refused to stop taking a knee in silent prayer by himself. It was really discouraging in the Ninth Circuit. One of the judges there goes through the entire story and doesn't really tell the full story, unfortunately. But at the end of it, he says, look, as I read my Bible, uh, it says that you're supposed to go into your prayer closet and pray and not to do this in front of men. No. And so it's not just saying that he was a bad American by you know, exercising his rights incorrectly. It was that he was a bad Christian as well. And for a federal judge to say that oh. is just simply wrong. So uh, the district told Kennedy that his religious activity, including his prayers, must be separate from student activity and have no participation from the students. So, Jeremy, what, what protection does the First Amendment offer in this regard? And, uh, and why did the school think that they could just throw that out the window and steamroll his rights? Well, the good news is we have a lot more protection under the First Amendment now than we did. Actually, my entire lifetime, we're more free today because of Coach Kennedy than we've ever been. But at that time, what the district was trying to say is that, hey, look, we can still see you engage in religious activity. And because we can see you engage in religious activity, and these students can see you engage in religious activity, well, that's a bridge too far. The First Amendment doesn't protect that. I mean, remember, his taking a knee in silent prayer is like him sitting down or kneeling down, tying his shoe or looking for his contact lens or something on the ground. But they said, no, 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 we know what you're doing down there. And because everybody here knows what you're doing, that's a violation. That's an establishment of religion under the First Amendment. And that the school district can't abide with whatsoever. Thankfully, the Supreme Court has set all that to right now. That's no longer the analysis. Instead, what the Supreme Court has said is that it said, look, the, the establishment clause, yeah, that's there. But there's also this thing called the free exercise clause. And guess what? It's in the same amendment. And those work at complementary purposes. It's supposed to protect the religious mm -hmm. freedom and the free exercise of religion in, public, in the public square. And they said, and the court was very clear to say also, yeah, we know there are students around, but guess what? They're going to go into the public square as well. They're going to run into religion wherever they go. And if a school district can't teach them how to respect religion and the free exercise of like with, with coach, people like Coach Kennedy, then what can school districts teach in this country? They ought to be preparing these students to go into the public square, understanding that they're going to come into contact with the religion as well. And guess what? That's a great thing in our country. We're supposed to welcome religion in the public square and, and be a, a part of our integral part of our freedom. What was it that motivated the Supreme Court to actually decide in your favor? 
Well, look, I think it's, again, a proper understanding of the First Amendment that says, look, in our country, we've welcomed religion in the public square all along. And they've thrown out this test called the Lemon Test, which was back in 1971, and basically said that if, if religion's in, on the, in the public square and it can be traced to the state, then it's an endorsement of religion and the religion's got to go away, the state's got to win for some sort of neutrality reasons. That's no longer the analysis anymore. Instead, I mean, would that, I'm sorry, would that apply to uh, someone's wearing a cross on a necklace around their neck at school, therefore you violated the First Amendment? I mean, yeah, how, where, fact, where do you stop with the that? The Ninth Circuit said that very thing, as a matter of fact, that if, if a, a teacher was wearing a crucifix around her neck or maybe the Jewish teacher's wearing a yarmulke on his head or a hijab for the Muslim teachers, those could all be fired from their job or, or take a, a, a teacher praying in the lunchroom over her salad before she eats Just it. giving thanks for her, for her own macaroni. Those are what the school district called demonstrative religious activities. And the Ninth Circuit said that those could be, you could be fired for engaging in, quote, demonstrative religious activities. If you really want to be silly about it, but it would be true, under the Ninth Circuit's decision here, if a teacher said, God bless you to a student who sneezed in the hallway, well, that teacher could lose her job for simply engaging in that demonstrative religious activity. Clearly, that's not what the First Amendment meant. And what the, the justices have gone back to now is to say, look, let's look at the history and tradition of our country. And in our country, we have a history and a tradition of welcoming religion into the public square, mm -hmm. to tolerate religious religion's practice, religion's presence within the public square. Uh, we ought to protect that free exercise of religion, not have to banish it from public. There was a great decision back in the 1960s called Tinker v. Des Moines, and it, it related to uh, student speech. And it said that neither students nor teachers can be uh, are forced to violate their constitutional rights, I'm sorry, to shed their constitutional rights when they walk through the schoolhouse gates. We knew that was true for students. That was uh, a protest of the Vietnam War by wearing a black armband. Coach's case has now extended that also to teachers as well. So teachers don't have to leave their crucifix in their car in the parking lot when they go through the schoolhouse gates. They can wear their kippah or their yarmulke on their head. They can, they can wear the hijab around their, their face. Uh, they don't have to shed their constitutional rights when they walk through the schoolhouse gates. And that means they can, they can keep those constitutional rights all the way to the football field as well. What does this mean for the athletic community? I, I just think everybody could be who they really are. I, I think that too long, I mean, football has always had some prayer in it. You go back to the beginning of time and there's always been some kind of faith in there. And the people that are, have to be afraid of showing their faith or being that light like we're called to be, they can actually do that now without having to worry about it. I'm not telling them to go out there and be a spotlight and try to preach to everybody under the sun, but you don't have to hide being a Christian. You can thank God anytime, anywhere. Don't be afraid. Be that role model for these kids and show them what it's like to be Christ-like. And I think we're going to see the most immediate impact is, is coaches not being so afraid anymore. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, it's, it's very common after a football game for the students to, to take a knee in a prayer circle and pray. It, because of the way the law was for 50 years in this country, you had coaches that didn't know what to do. This was right after the team meeting and the students break out in spontaneous prayer, truly inspired by themselves to do it without any prompting. These students would just engage in prayer, which is their constitutional right to be able to do. But the coaches were left going, if I'm too close to this, I'm going to be accused of violating the Constitution. If I, if I back too far away from it too quickly, I could be engaged in religious hostility. What do I do? They're kind of stuck between those things. Mm. They have to put their fingers in their ears, run away, saying, 
I don't hear you, I don't hear you. You know, they can't lend any kind of endorsement to the activity that the students are engaging in, but they can't be hostile to it either. What this decision has done is just removed all that awkwardness and said you can be in the same place at the same time as students engaging in religious activity. And guess what? Students can be in the same place at the same time with coaches engaging in religious activity. Why? Well, because this is the United States of America where we value the free exercise of religion by all of our citizens. The thing that it remains that we just need to be a little bit careful about, but this is common sense stuff, is that coaches and teachers can't be engaging in like grabbing the students saying, you will now pray with me or something like that. But that's, that's the silly stuff that's not gonna happen anywhere anyway. It's the, the time for people to be able to engage in the, the traditional commonplace act of religious activity wherever they may find themselves. If that's on a football field or in the classroom or in the hallway, does that really make a big difference if it's there and not in the public park or walking down the street? No, I don't think so. I think the First Amendment protects all of those things. Jeremy, uh, we talked about what this might mean for the future of the athletic community. What does this mean for the future of religious liberty in general? Well, there's a lot of great things that this means. And this is building on a case we had back in 2018, 19, uh, called American Legion versus the American Humanist Association. That was involving a uh, veterans cross that was set up uh, on a- on I remember a hearing about that. Yeah, and, and the two cases working together has basically been the court's way of saying to the rest of the country, it's okay for religion to appear in public. Uh, and with the, the overturning of this very bad precedent from 1971, that's 50 years ago, five generations now have lived under that, that decision, that's gone. Uh, and there have been a lot of monuments that have been taken down or moved to private property, Ten Commandments monuments, uh, veterans crosses, things like that that have been transferred to private ownership. Well, the court is basically saying that's, that's okay. You can you know, put those back up now. Those, those are fine to go back there and, and to be on the side of the road or in the, the public park or wherever around the state capitol, things like that. Nativity wow. scenes now, uh, those are perfectly fine. It's part of who we are as a country. You can have a crash, you can have a menorah, you can have all these things on, on public property. That's okay. That's part of our history and our tradition. How has this whole experience changed your life? Obviously, a lot of people know who you are now, but just in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, uh, what's different? I would say I, I'm really cemented in my faith now. I, I really re had to relearn how to rely on God, not just for my relationship and my jobs and getting me through this, but getting me through my marriage and, you know, staying sane while I, I watch my team grow and, you know, be there without me and even graduate. But the great thing is I'm still being able to be part of their lives. But God is really just, I mean, has shown up when mm. I absolutely needed him to. What would you like to say to all Americans out there who are, who are feeling like, man, I wanna be like that, but I, I don't know that I've got the courage to stand when the time comes. Yeah, I, I thank you for giving me that opportunity because I, I gotta say, this is where I, I have only a small platform to say thank you for everybody. I mean, I, there's no way I could have done this without everybody out there. I got calls from all over the United States, even across the world, in, in support of me. And it felt like I wasn't fighting this fight alone. It was you guys, and it was everybody that's out there who's, who's hearing this. I mean, this has not been an easy thing. So seven years of litigations, I can't even calculate how much that costs. And by the grace of God that you got people out here like First Liberty that took this on pro bono, meaning I didn't have to pay a dime because, I mean, I couldn't even afford to sit next to this guy most of the time, but they, they will look out for Americans. So if they go to firstliberty.org, if you need help fighting, these are the guys to do it first class and, and I appreciate them. They're a blessing.
Joe, uh, if you don't mind, I uh, don't mean to put you on the spot, but would you be willing to just pray for us as the family of faith that God would give us the strength to do exactly what you're saying? Yeah, I'll give it a shot, man. Yeah, man, let's do it. Lord God, you are just incredible and awesome. Thank you for Kirk. Thank you for First Liberty. And thank for TBN and all these people who try to bring your word to everybody. And all the hear- ears that hear it, I just ask that you just open their eyes and be bold in their faith and not have to hide. Too long we've been wimps about who, who we are and what our beliefs are. And we've given up too much ground as it is. And I just ask that you just smile upon America for the rest of our days. In your name, amen. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.